0: Welcome to the Lifelinks Leadership Podcast, insight and training from leaders around our network. Here's your host, Ian Bird. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome again to another Lifelinks Leadership Podcast. And our goal is to highlight the hidden treasure of leadership acumen within our network and even beyond. And we've been having some interviews this year with people outside our network, but Today, we're talking with someone in our network who is doing some exciting stuff. Before I get to that, I just want to let you know that um, if you like the content, we would really appreciate it if you could rate this on Podbean or iTunes. And also, if you'd share it on social media, just let people know that this is something that's helping you and get the reach out there, especially in our network. You can send it out to your churches, your other leaders. Um, but also um, beyond uh, we just believe that there's good things God's doing and we want to make sure it gets out there and, and helps people so anyway thank you to all those who are doing that and who are helping us so without further ado I haven't even told you who I'm talking to today I, our guest is uh, Josh Erb he's the lead pastor of Crossroads Community Church in Herbert Saskatchewan he's been doing that he and Curie for his wife for seven years now they have three beautiful children and he's also the CEO uh, At the head of Soul Edge Ministry. And um, it's a wonderful ministry affecting young people. And he's going to talk a bit about that. So anyway, it's a blessing to have you with us today. Josh, welcome to the podcast.
1: Uh, thanks so much, Ian. It's so great to be here.
0: Yeah, well, we're excited. And uh, I think uh, people are going to be really blessed when they hear what you want to share. You know, sometimes um, there's things going on in our network that we're not even really aware of. And I think the ministry that you have with soul edge is something that most people aren't aware of. So it's going to be great to talk about. So maybe give us start off by giving us a little bit of background on your connection with our network and the start of soul edge.
1: Yeah. I grew up as what I call like a lifelinks kid. Um, my, my family, uh, Richard and Paul Herb, um, were part of it right from the early years. So I remember going to the medicine hat conference, you know, Obviously, as a young kid, the, the water slides were great, um, but also I really remember encountering Jesus there uh, when the renewal Toronto Renewal was happening and walking into those conference stores as like an eight, nine-year-old experiencing the presence of Jesus profoundly, and that really impacted my life. So just growing up in the network, having Keith Hazel come to her home, uh, Hugh Laybourne, uh, and Ian and you and Val just sitting in seminars as a teenager. And so just it, LifeLinks has always been a part of, uh, of my life and has really been hugely impactful. And just I've always, whenever I walk into a room in LifeLinks, just, and it, so it's always humbling just to look around and see the caliber of the leaders and just how how I can, you know, walk up to them, and be, hey, can you tell me about what you're doing in your church right now? And just the humility
0: that these leaders are willing to share wow. uh, some of the things they've learned. Well, we, we really appreciate that. So, what what has happened to, you know, get you where you are as far as, um, you know, your lead pastor, and then you have this other ministry? Like, give us mm-hmm. a bit of your journey. Sure. So, when I was uh, 18, my uh, twin brother
1: and I actually. Uh, were invited to go over and intern with a ministry called Soul Survivor, uh, interning with um, the head of that ministry called Mike Pilovac. And you might not have heard of Soul Survivor, but you've probably heard of Matt Redman and Tim Hughes. And though, uh, so Matt Redman, obviously, yeah. writing lots of worship music, same as Tim. And so those mm-hmm. guys actually were youth in Mike's church. And Soul Survivor is a big ministry that basically uh, up until just recent history hosted big summer conferences uh, where tens of thousands of young people would come just to worship Jesus for five days. Um, And so we went there to intern with Mike for a year, ended up, you know, traveling around the world. And, you know, I had my plan to go to university to study engineering, but I, I said, Jesus, you know, I've said yes to you. My life is yours. So if you don't want me to go, uh, I'll say no to that. And he actually did say, Josh, I don't want you to go to university. And so after the, he said no to that, it's like, okay, now what, Lord? And actually during that year, Joel and I really had this burden on our hearts to see young men discipled. And we'd been discipled in our lives and had some amazing men invest into us. And we said, man, this is totally shaped where we are. What would it look like to create a program where there was discipleship? Um, happening in a, in a, in an adventure setting. And, and so we started writing down vision and we ended up sharing this vision with Mike thinking we would do this when we were like 30. We're like, how do we steward this vision? How old were you at the time? You and We were 19. (laughs) And and so Mike actually sat there. I remember sitting in his living room. He sat there listening to us and, and he said, you know, you guys are young. Um, but I just really sense you should go for this. Uh, I'll, I'll, you know, we'll get behind you, and and that was the start of Soul Edge. Essentially, a, a leader who believed in us and, and championed that vision. And so, at, at age nineteen, we we launched Soul Edge, Amazing. and now we've been doing Soul Edge for fourteen years. And it's a it's a specifically a leadership development discipleship school, and we use adventure as one of the elements of training and team building.
0: I just wanted to comment on you being 19 and thinking, hey, I need all this training and it'll be something for the future. And, and good on Mike Pilavachi for, you know, really kind of commissioning you and going, hey, you guys got it. I know you're young, but you need to run. And, and I think sometimes we, we do kind of put limits and, and even for younger people. And so this should inspire people. I, I know I'm inspired. You and Joel have just been amazing uh, with how you've looked to follow the Lord. Anyway, continue
1: yeah so that you know started us on a journey of basically um, b- saying yes to young people coming to train under us and we just last year uh, twenty we launched our New Zealand base, and that was incredible because it was really the question of can we duplicate this model of discipleship um, anywhere in the world and we trained the team, we trained up our leaders. Um, and we believed it was going to work and it was su- such an encouragement to my heart to see that, you know, the, the Jesus model of discipleship works anywhere and this model uh, really was a-, a success. So discipleship is my passion. Like I just find such joy in walking alongside people for a season and helping them grow and mature. And yeah. just, you know, as leaders, our 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 joy is to give away what we have received and it's, you know, that's, uh, Soul Edge is a huge part
0: of that for me. Wow! So just to, just before we move away from Soul Edge and talk more specifically about your passion for discipleship, um, you, so you have the school in New Zealand, which is 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 new, and then you have an ongoing school which you've been running and people coming to Canada and all of that.
1: Yeah, we have a base in Herbert, Saskatchewan, and yes. <laughs> um, primarily we draw students from the UK, but we have students from around the world. Uh, Come and train and we it's limited size. So we try to max the student number at 12 and then we'll have uh, uh, Leaders who live uh, With the, the students and do the mentoring and Kira and I do a lot of the teaching part of the course So it's three three months of intensive training and then two months of mission
0: Wonderful. So good. Well, wow, it's good. It's good to hear that. And that number twelve. That that sounds really biblical. It sounds like you have a bit of a pattern there that you're following. Yeah. So why don't we talk about that for a moment? Let's let's dig into what is discipleship. And I know we were chatting a little bit before the the call, and we were talking about you know how sometimes we just have bits and pieces of what it is. You know, we think well, it's going through a book with somebody, or it's a class at church that people take, but um, it's a bit more than that. So maybe just unpack that on a general sense, what is discipleship?
1: Sure, I mean, I think both of us can relate, probably all church leaders can relate to this, that discipleship seems to be a word that we're using more now, but I could walk into a room of leaders and say, I really feel an emphasis for discipleship, but that that could mean something totally different to the leader across the table from me. Absolutely, yes. and so when we, we look at like the Great Commission, Matthew 28, Jesus, you know, he says, sends his disciples out and, and says, go into the nations and make disciples. So this needs to be a, a priority for us. So that obviously begs the question of like, what, what is the pattern that they had in their minds as they, were, as they were moving into the nations? And I think, you know, they would have hopefully, I believe that, that disciples would have thought now what Jesus has done for us in these past years. That's what he's asking us to do. Um, and so the way that Jesus did discipleship was the way that he was asking his disciples to do discipleship. So I, when I think of discipleship, I think of it kind of two key aspects of it. So the first is to disciple, you first must be a Christ follower. Mm-hmm. So inherent in this is to live in a way that brings the kingdom to be a witness. And then secondly, it's a focus on giving away what we have received. So it's not that we, that you have to have arrived. I think we have a bit of this idea that I can only ever disciple someone if I have it and my life totally sorted and I've arrived, you know, that I could then give. <laughs> but it is, would... it really, it's really more on the principle of you've received something, so you have to give it away and invest it into someone.
0: You know, lately I've been really meditating on that. And, you know, Jesus said, freely you have received. Freely give, right? And then he tells them, the you know, going to heal the sick, cast out demons, but it's because you freely receive this. And I, I think that's a good point. Um, we have, we have nothing that we haven't been given, and therefore God says, I want you to give out what you've been given. So I really like that. That's perfect. Yeah, um, you know, I,
1: when, as a nineteen-year-old, obviously pretty early in, in the journey, and lear- had to learn a lot, but it was really that confidence that, oh, I've received something. And even, you know, these guys are just a couple of years or just a one year um, or similar age that I'm leading that, that first year. It, it really landed on this belief of I have received something and I'm going to yes, yeah. give it away and trust that Jesus will use that. And he really did. I mean, we made mistakes as leaders, but it was incredible to see the transformation that that's happened in those leaders' lives. Like, right? we, yeah. It, Amazing how Jesus uses that.
0: Well, and I think uh, one, one other quick thought for you. You know, I'm older now, but when I was back 19, 20 years old, I, I actually had an empowering leader named John Syrett, who I'll shout out to, who uh, really gave me opportunities as a young leader to be evangelism director. And he gave me a bunch of other things. And he really empowered me. And he told me one thing that always stayed with me. He said, Ian, you just have to be slightly ahead of the hounds. And what he was telling me is, you don't you don't have to know the whole deal. Uh, just be a bit ahead of the people you're leading, right? Just make sure you stay a bit ahead, and that you have a way to a place to lead them, but you're taking them on the journey with you. So I think that's what you're saying, right? Just be a bit ahead of the hound. Just be yeah. just make sure. I mean, you don't have to know it all. You need to know something, and whatever you know, give it away. So that's great. Um, so what are some things that you've learned along the way? I mean, 14 years, so yeah. you've learned probably some things that work, things, things that don't. So maybe share some of that. Perfect. So I think I will be able to
1: speak to it's, it is an, an, a bit of a narrow slice. I mean, I'm blessed to be able to do church ministry as well, but so primarily we work with 18 to 23 year olds. Uh, but I think this is a, an important age group. And here's, here's some of the big things that I've seen over the years. So doing this for 20, for 14 years, um, that we are, we're accepting and bringing onto our course um, young people who are, are coming from good homes. They're, they're the young people who are serving their youth groups. They're really involved in ministry. As it is a leadership training school, we're, we're not so much looking for students who just want to explore their faith and get a new experience. We're looking for students who really want to grow, who want to be challenged, who want to grow in leadership. So we're typically taking students who have been really Uh, poured into from their local church Um, and and one of the things that is almost a bit of a shock is that when I'm interviewing or you know getting to know these students primarily I'd say probably about 80 to 90 percent of them will not have ever been discipled or mentored uh, in the form of uh, the Jesus model uh, discipleship and what they will have received is program-based discipleship so basically come to a youth group there's a program um and but it would have been very few of them that would actually have had a leader sit down with them ask them what's going on in their life speak specifically into their journey Um, and i i think that's a bit of a uh it should kind of surprise us a little bit as leaders, that that is the consistent norm. It could be different in Canada, but that seems to be the consistent norm. And a lot of these kids, even though they're coming from great Christian homes, they're spending the majority of their time focused on study and academics. And they actually come to us with Christian values, but a bit of a, I'd say, more of um, a non-Christian worldview. And so we actually have to go through some of the foundational things so that they uh, kind of realize where they're at with their worldview and then and build on that um so it's i think it boils down to this what i see as a real lack of church uh like within the church basically of fathers and mothers of discipleship happening because of course it is impossible for one youth pastor to disciple seven yes, kids like absolutely um, so i think this model of discipleship that we've kind of just inherently picked up and said this is how we're going to do discipleship um program-based discipleship i think we do need to have a look at that i'm not saying we throw that out but we do need to just kind of say is this actually the jesus model of discipleship does this actually work to to bring young people into maturity
0: well and and i, I think that's really valid and I, I the point you make too about the world view aspect you know, I think there was an era where we could all assume maybe or maybe we did assume that you know you grew up in a church and you would just have a certain Christian worldview automatically you would you would see things but I, I agree with you uh, like you I can see in our culture today you know there's a blurring of lines and you know uh, even our our young people growing up going to school the things that they have to deal with yeah I mean it's not a given that people understand the the worldview that you know that christ has for us so i think that's really good what what is your approach you've mentioned the jesus approach to discipleship so can you take a few minutes and just unpack that for us i think we're all just waiting to hear what that is sure i would love to i mean when it came to this really
1: what joel and i did when we were young 19 year olds we're just like, what did Jesus do? That was our primary question. Cause we, we knew that what, whatever Jesus was doing with his disciples worked. I mean, he took this group of 12 kind of not, you know, just an unruly kind of group that you're like, man, why, would, these are not the guys I would have picked to be on my team uh, kind of group. And, and yet we see their lives dramatically transformed. So what are the things that he did? And over the years kind of, i I've started to develop a way to sort of talk about this. And there's lots of ways that we could talk about the Jesus model of discipleship. But I like to think of it in terms of kind of five stages or five deliberate things that he did. So first, the, first of all is relationship, that he did relationship with the disciples. He invited them to come do life with him. And that was actually a three-year journey that they, you know, they ate meals together, they did life. So there's a significant amount of time Where he's with them um, and watching their lives, and there's no replacement for this. When we think of like, if I'm going to speak into someone's life, it there's so much more opportunity to speak to, um, you know, what what Jesus did with his disciples, like on the road when they're struggling with the question of who's, you know, who's who's the greatest. greatest. (laughs) Yeah. And he speaks to that question um, in that moment. And with our students, it's like we we uh, put them under pressure because under pressure, people will manifest what's that's on the true, inside. So true. part of our leadership training models, we're, we're saying we're trying to train leaders. So we don't want to just send them onto mission without sort of putting them under pressure. And so we're going to use outdoor adventures. So say we're on a deep uh, in, in the mountains, snowshoeing, it, it's cold and we're, 15 kilometers in and we'll look at the group and be like, they're tired, exhausted. Okay, let's push them another couple of kilometers. And we get into camp and the the leaders can watch how, how they treat each other, how they serve one another within that. And and then afterwards in a mentoring session, you know, one of our leaders could pull them aside and say, Hey, I noticed while you were really cold and tired, you just you went inward you got totally selfish and frustrated with people let's look at what that is and so it's really this doing life with people that gives the opportunity to really speak um and relationship it's got to be the foundation you have to have relationship and i think as church leaders we've actually the church has really grown in this and, and seen that we have to build relationship connection first and so i'd say youth pastors are doing that they're starting to build those relational pieces But I'd say that's the first stage discipleship, and it needs to move to the second stage, and that's teaching. And that's what Jesus, we see him doing all the time. He's actually teaching them something. So obviously a lot of the scriptures, the stories that the disciples tell um, and the early church wrote were Jesus teaching his disciples. And so this is where I think we often think, oh, people just want to, you know, they're happy to say, do a coffee with me. But when I say, can I actually teach you something? Can I That's actually give you like truth? That. Um, that can, there can be some resistance. And so really for discipleship to actually be transformative, we have to say, here is the truth that is going to transform your life and what you you're going to have to wrestle with it. I'm going to challenge you with truth. And, and that requires teaching
0: and instruction. Um, well, and what I hear in that is the word intentionality, right? Yeah. So, so I might have a relationship with somebody, and that's great. We like to hang out or whatever. But suddenly in the discipleship role, I become intentional about yeah. impartation and, and connection. I really like that. That's awesome, yeah. Josh. Yeah.
1: And so it's, it's teaching that's connected to their journey because we see that's what Jesus did. So whatever the disciples were going through, say they feed the 5,000 and they don't get the lesson, Jesus is then instructing them after that. And so it's not discipleship isn't enough just to like give a lecture or just for me, just to teach someone content, it has to be connected to their journey.
0: Very good.
1: It is that process. And the third stage, I would call this, we call this like heart healing or inner transformation. And we can, people can have truth, can have that have knowledge, but unless it's applied, um, you know, it, all of us are, I'm continuing on, on the journey. It's like, this is where, you know, the shame, the pain, the sin, unforgiveness, that stuff needs to be dealt with in my life. And as leaders, we all have stories of, or, or have seen leaders who didn't deal with yes. things in their life. And then it comes, you know, you put them under pressure yes. and it shows up. And so to really do, um, to see the Jesus model working, I think is this deep work. And I love the story at the end of John where Jesus reinstates Peter because you see him doing this, this deep work with Peter that is at the deepest level in Peter's life. It's a great example. Uh, and that's going to require vulnerability from the people that we walk with and safety. And so creating a culture where you have safety and vulnerability is going to be essential for that to happen. And that's a massive piece. Yeah, or you're that, not really going to have that stage of discipleship happening.
0: Well, it's powerful. And, and just a thought about the whole heart healing and the need for it. I remember uh, you know, in days when I was, I mean, I've had to go through that myself as we all have. And uh, I remember one time dealing with some issue and a guy, uh, a person who was working with me, another leader, he said, Ian, when you bury something alive, the problem is it will always come back. If we just suppress and bury stuff in our lives, which we often do. It eventually comes out. And it's kind of like what you're saying about your 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 hike or your your snowshoeing trip it usually comes out when things are tough in ministry and all of a sudden we're like where did that come from look at my heart attitude and god's like yep that's been there so good for you all right so that's the first three first three yeah areas. so then,
1: fourth stage uh is mission and we see jesus doing this with his disciples that pretty early on he actually sends his disciples out to do the very things that he has been doing um and so i, I think this has to flow from having done the other things like sometimes we we're just like we just need to get them out there it's jesus doesn't require his disciples to have it all sorted but they've done some journey with him so part of mission sending people into mission is that they as a leader it begs a question like have people have i modeled this like have i modeled the missional life like have people seen me do the kingdom life in order to because i can't ask them to do missional life if i'm not living it really good josh jesus sends the disciples out to do mission and part of this is like uh the idea of releasing and creating space for young people to step into spaces where they could get it wrong so uh, actually as leaders we have to create space for them to step out and say absolutely are going to make mistakes <laughs> for it to be safe enough that there's protection and leaders there to sort of catch them so that they don't make too big of mistakes.
0: Yes. Good.
1: Cause you just don't learn without doing it. I mean, the, when I think of early mission trips that I did, there's just, it's so, so impactful.
0: Um, and we learn by doing it and J- that's what Jesus did with his disciples. No. And I, I think too, like, again, relating to my own personal journey on this, I mentioned John Sired earlier who had such a huge impact when I was a younger leader. And yeah, I made mistakes and he was totally ready to give me room. Right. I look back as a 20 year old and I think, wow, like you really gave me, you really trusted and believed in me. And I think that that's the issue. And you're right. Jesus modeled it. He never asked them to do something he hadn't done. He he yeah. showed them right. He would unpack it with them and then he'd send them out equipped. So so a good point. And then there's one last point here. What is that one? And that is duplication. And so with our leaders, we're everything that I give,
1: that we invest, that are 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 investing into them. We're saying, we're we're sowing this into you, and we simply ask that you give it away. And so the goal is that. This model that, that, that Jesus trained his disciples in this was the this is the model for advancing the kingdom was duplication. That hey guys, I've given you something, I, I've been, I've shown you the model of discipleship. Now go and do that for others. And this is really where we I, we see the the transformation impact that really starts to happen is you invest Jesus invests into twelve, and they each invest into a few, and those guys each invest into a few, and it's <laughs> good. You really see. Uh, how there can be such transformation happening. Um, it's this expansion of the kingdom through duplication. And it really does, where it, where it doesn't work is if we receive something and we just stop giving it away. Yeah, and a this point. is a, a real challenge for leaders of today because we have a very consumeristic culture. And we can kind of also get in this trap of being leaders who are used to almost just... Um, Feeding people like I'll just you know get up on Sunday, I'll preach a really good message, and I, I love that you love me teaching you. And you're going to come back next Sunday, and there, we're not putting any sort of, sort of expectation that you would have to do anything with what we teach you. Um, and so, I think we understand it, uh, and we're like, oh, there should be duplication, but we don't always know how to see that happen. It's good, um, yeah.
0: Well, and it's the old adage, right? You can give a man a fish, feed him for a day, or teach a man to fish and feed him for a lifetime. And I think what you're talking about is often in ministry, we're giving him fish, right? And Jesus wants us to teach them to fish. He wants us to actually help them grow. So they're feeding themselves. And I, I think that's a really, really good point. So as we kind of start to round out here to, to wrap this up, which has been a fantastic discussion, by the way, Josh, this is, we could go on and on about this, but I I think you're, you're definitely wetting our appetites and getting us stirred. What what would be some thoughts that you would have for church leaders in our network? um, uh, And just as to where to start with this, like, what, what are some next steps that, that they could use, you know, to, to, to start moving down this with their people down this road? Great question.
1: Well, I think as leaders, we do, we do need to actually, like, ask ourselves, like, what is my approach to discipleship uh, within church? Like, how is discipleship happening within uh, the local context that we're serving? Are we putting it, the emphasis just in a program uh, to, to do all the discipleship? Uh, and, and then, like, who are the people that I'm discipling? I mean, discipleship works by invitation and permission. And so ultimately, as a leader, I give an invitation, and it's through people's engagement with giving us permission to speak into their lives, that this then becomes, I then have a voice of influence. So there is always the element of we can invite someone into a discipleship journey, but they could say no. Um, So it does require permission. Um, But I would say we are actually at an incredible moment of opportunity where people are actually very hungry for discipleship like they're hungry for someone to sit with them and to journey with them and speak into their lives and i would say even just right now in our context right now um as a church with covid and everything that's happening uh, with the challenges of like meeting publicly like we can't offer this sort of the perfect consumer uh service necessarily so it it then is this opportunity of like is discipleship really going to happen as leaders, what about the, the, the small groups or the cell groups? And what if we, what if we activated our mature people to disciple, like imagine a church where you have like over 50% of the church body engaged in discipleship. That'd be I mean, amazing. Imagine that wow. Like if you had 50% of your people who are deliberately going out of their way to like invest into someone, um, <laughs> you know, the 20 year old was being mentored by the 30-year-old and the 20-year-old was mentoring an 18-year-old. or I mean, it doesn't have to be that age. because yeah. Age isn't necessarily a sign of maturity. But just to me, that would be so exciting to be a part of something like that. Every person receive and
0: everyone, every person giving away. Oh, that would be – I like the vision of that. And I think, I think that you're right. That's where we all need to start is with the vision. Any other mm-hmm. thoughts about that?
1: Well, really with this stuff, sometimes it starts at just at a very like personal level of us just saying like, if I want a culture of discipleship, then I need to be doing it in my own life. So as a leader, it's asking like, who are my three? You know, Jesus had his three guys in the 12. Like who are the three guys that if I die tomorrow, like I've I've given away everything to these three guys. Like I've invested into their lives or, or maybe it's just one, but I think every leader who, if we're saying we're serious about discipleship, then there should be someone who's in our life who can say, I have been discipled by this leader. Mm, they yes. gave everything away into that. And you know, I know Dave Wells really discipled you in and Like oh, the whole absolutely. network benefits from that. Oh, right? absolutely. Really yes. I'm
0: so thankful for that. Yeah. Well, those are that. That's a really good start, and I think that um, you know, obviously, today you've really stirred the conversation, which I appreciate. Um, couple of quick things for you: if people wish to get a hold of you, they might have thoughts after this and go, "Oh, I wish I could contact Josh and ask him a question or whatever." How would they get a hold of you? Or if they want to find out more about Soul Edge, and I want to just say this real quick. Um, on, on behalf of Josh and the Soul Edge uh, team. You know, I think this is an excellent ministry and um, Josh is, is part of our Lifelinks family, which makes, makes Soul Edge part of our Lifelinks family. And, um, you know, I think that I want to encourage leaders out there that, that you know, if you've got young people who, who are finishing high school and they're like, you know, what's next? Where can I go? Uh, how can I be discipled? Or, or or I'd like to do something adventurous before I go to university or whatever it is. This would be something to really check into. I want to encourage you to do that. This is homegrown. This is in our own backyard. Um, Soul Edge is awesome. And so, uh, so I just personally want to really encourage you to consider that. And so Josh, if people want to find out about Soul Edge, or if they want to ask you more about discipleship, how would they get a hold of you?
1: Great. So, if you want to check out Soul Edge, you can go to our website, www.souledge.org. And then if you want to contact me, you can email me at josh@souledge.org, and you can find me that way. So,
0: that is great. This is Josh, this is amazing. I am really, really touched and blessed by this. Um, I wonder if you would do we, we usually ask our guests to pray for us because we think there's such a power and blessing. And so, could you just pray for for every leader, every person who's listening, regarding this whole discipleship process, yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, Jesus, just ask that you would come right now, and, and just for every leader who's listening, um, ask that you would encourage them in in this challenging time. That just let faith arise in their heart, that they can give away something that's going to transform those that they're, they're leading, that you would give them a, a grace to be able to build a culture of discipleship within their ministry, um, that you would show them uh, the one, show them the three that they're supposed to invest into. And just for a real wisdom to stir a hunger in their community, in their local church community, to engage in active discipleship. Yeah, would you bless them right now with just a, a
0: strength and an enduring posture, in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen, Josh. Thank you so much. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your wisdom, and uh, what you've imparted to us today. And Lord bless you. And Lord bless all of you who are listening. We really appreciate this. Uh, please rate this podcast, as I mentioned earlier, and share it with others. And uh, again, thanks so much, Josh. And the Lord bless you and your church in Herbert and Soul Edge. And uh, Thanks so much, Ian. All right. All right. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us for the Lifelinks Leadership Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at podcast at